Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. different music. Is this Murder Mile? Is this not Murder Mile? Or is it Extra Mile? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is Extra Mile. This is not a regular uh, Murder Mile episode. So for new listeners of Murder Mile, this is not what you would normally get. This is Extra Mile uh, because I'm taking a mid-season break, which doesn't mean I'm sitting on my ass. although I wish I was sitting on my ass. Uh, I'm currently at the National Archives doing lots of research because we've got a huge uh, multi-part special coming up. In fact, we've got two coming up. Uh, and I'm currently in the archives going through all the original poli- declassified police files uh, to get all the details right for this new exciting multi-parter. Which I think originally I had said to everyone it was going to be uh, uh, the... the the full story of Dennis Nielsen. I'm not doing Dennis. I'm doing something different. Uh, I'm doing a case that you'll be very aware of, but um, it'll be something that you'll go, oh, I didn't know that. So hopefully I'm going to bring uh, everything that I brought to uh, the Blackout Ripper to this new case. I almost said what it was then. Ooh, exciting. So uh, if you're new to Murder Mile, um, This is probably not the best episode to listen to, although for regular listeners, you'll probably enjoy this. Uh, If I was you, go back and listen to something like the Blackout Ripper series. Uh, It's an eight-parter. You can listen to them individually, or uh, (coughs) if you're unsure whether you want to listen to this, which is Extra Mile, which is at the end of each episode, uh, I've done them as a two-part series, so four parts in each part, if that makes sense. So eight episodes in two parts. Does that make sense? I'm not too sure. I think so. Or, uh, <coughs> oh, I've got cake in my throat. <coughs> Lovely. Um, or, go back and listen to episode 40, which was the uh, fascinating life, death, death and afterlife of Glyndor Michael. Uh, that's an interesting story. It's not true crime, but it's it's a, a mystery uh, in its own right. Uh, and Dennis Nielsen episodes, my episodes, I think they're 10 and 11. I could be wrong. Uh, have a go listen to them. Some of the early episodes have got kind of uh, slightly dodgy sound because I was using a crappy mic. But do you know what? They're, they're still decent episodes. But for everyone else, uh, this is Extra Mile Part 1. We'll be doing three of these. Uh, I've pre-planned them over the year. Uh, so I know what I'm going to be doing in them. It won't just be waffling. Um, and this first one, if you're new to Murder Mile as well, this might be an interesting one to stick with. Because... <coughs> oh, that cake has gone down the wrong way. Because uh, what I'll be doing in this show, <coughs> this show will be <coughs> coughing my lungs out. <coughs> oh, that's horrible. Uh, I'll be explaining about the cake I'm having shortly. And let's just say 
not my favourite. Ugh, dear. So, I'll be doing, in this episode, I'll be doing a kind of a best of Murdwell, picking all the things that I kind of have enjoyed in the episodes that we've done so far, uh, and a couple of cock-ups as well. Hey, we all love cock-ups. The, the first one I thought I'd point out is something that I've just noticed recently. Um, have you noticed that at the start of each episode, uh, I I have an inability to say the word true crime? I never say true crime. It always seems to be too, true crime. Have a listen. Here's that clip. Episode 45 of the Murder Mile True Crime Podcast. Welcome to Murder Mile. A true crime podcast, an audio guided walk. Did you hear that? True crime. I've no idea. Every time I listen back to the audio, I always go, why did I say true crime? It's true crime. There's r there. I have a problem with r, but it's there uh, either way. So um, this will be the episode. I know I normally say there's no music and there's no edits, but this does have edits in it. Just because I'm going to be playing some clips throughout. Um, And there will be an exciting competition later on as well. A Murder Mile competition to coincide with the Murder Mile eShop. Ooh, very exciting. So before we begin, a quick update. So, obviously I've got my cup of tea on the go. Ah, Cup of tea, milk, two sugars. Lovely. Um, And I've got some cake on the go, which was... See... You know how excited I get about cake. I do love me fondant fancies and me uh, uh, Battenberg. Love me Battenberg. I love Eccles cakes. Uh, love, um, oh, what's that one? Why am I asking you? You can't tell me. Uh, a millionaire shortbread. See, it's all the sweet cakes. It really is. But today, because I was passing the shop, I've got a Mediterranean shop with near me, or where I was yesterday, um, I decided to pick up, they have a pre-packaged marble cake. A marble cake is basically uh, basically a slightly harder sponge with <coughs> chocolate on the outside, kind of a, an iced chocolate on the outside, and two different types of sponge swirled together. I'm a bit of an eat at the moment. Um, it's okay. bit dry. Mm. It's sweet. The, the, the dark chocolate on the outside is very nice, but the, the cake, I can't really gorge it like I would everything else. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe gorging a cake is a good thing for me not to do. Otherwise, I'll get big old chubby cheeks like a big old hamster. But um, this cake is okay. I'll, eat, I'll have eaten it all by the end of this episode. Mm. If you have any cake, dive into it now. <laughs> Uh, coot update as well. New listeners to uh, Murder Mile know that because um, I live on a boat and there's often coots around. I think if you listen to the extra mile at the end of Blackout Ripper Part 4, uh, we had a bit of a thing where the, the coot outside, it was mating season, and he was getting a bit randy. He was getting a bit excitable and a bit shouty. Desperate to get his o- get his ends, end away, get his oats. Um where I am now, I've just literally moved like an hour ago. So I'm I'm in a, a heading back into town, back into London, into the city. So I've moored up somewhere quiet so I can do some recording. I'm in a nice place at the moment because where I am, uh, they have some really nice geese. And it's not the Canadian geese, eh? The Canadian geese, uh, which are everywhere and they're quite noisy. Going, eh? Um, 
but they're more kind of... <laughs> Sorry to any, any Canadians out there, that was probably the worst impression ever. Uh, although I, I still blame you for Bieber. You still owe us an apology for Bieber. We're never going to forgive you as nice as you are, as, as possibly the world's nicest people ever. We haven't forgiven you for Bieber. You owe us all an apology. Um, although you did make John Candy, so, you know, fair's fair. Uh, <laughs> so, I'm sure there's more Canadians in the world. Um, but no, I'm, I'm in a nice place at the moment where I am. And they've got these, these, uh, these geese. And they're not like Canadian geese. They're slightly fatter. And they look like kind of Egyptian geese who are kind of the nice sandy colour. They've got very striking features. They're pure white. So not an off-white like a swan would be, but even whiter than white. It looks like someone has, has really gone to town with them and given them a good scrub. And most of their face, face is taken up by a, a kind of a big orange beak. And they've got a very striking face. I've no idea what they're called, but they're really beautiful. And there's five of them that come round. And the second I moored up my boat, they were they were tapping on the side going, Oh, mate, <laughs> oh, mate you got anything, got anything nice to eat? They know, they know that as soon as a boat turns up, it's like we are like a a, a, a foodie place. Oh, there's a spider. Another spider trying to get into my boat. Oh, I'm going to have to get rid of him. Ah. He's hanging there and he's really pissing me off. Right, hang on. I'm going to get rid of the spider. I've already dispatched two today. And the two that I got rid of were massive, like really huge bodies. This one's only a little one, but I just... I still want him hanging around. Where is he? Where did he go? Where did he go? You're not there anymore. Bastard. Oh. I've got a bit of a feather duster that I, that I used to get... Oh, got a bit of a feather duster that I used to get rid of uh, spiders and things so I don't have to touch them, but he's, he's disappeared. Don't know where he's gone. I'll find him. The other ones I just got rid of were huge, with big fat bodies. I know you're not meant to, but I squashed them. I didn't like it. It was a bit horrible. So, <laughs> so, a uh, cup of tea time. Let's get on with the show. So, what is this episode about? I'm going to be uh, throwing some things in there, some little clips that I've made, so hopefully you will enjoy. Um, I thought I'd do this first section that may be a little bit interesting. It's kind of, I'm just calling it things that you may never have heard before. Now, obviously... When I record uh, Murder Mile, is it still recording? It's still recording. Yes, it is. Hmm. Uh, I just double checking that I hadn't switched off. Um, <coughs> when you uh, hear the first part of Murder Mile, the kind of the bit that's all pre-recorded and it's all, you know, I spend hours, well, I spent literally days going through editing it, getting rid of all the breathing and the the kind of all the crappy bits and making it all sound really beautiful and nice. There are things that you won't ever hear. Oh, excuse me, i got burpees now. The things that you won't ever hear, such as, that was kind of convenient, uh, this clip I'm going <laughs> to play now is uh, a little thing that I like to call the burp mix. And uh, what does happen is when I'm sitting there in the morning, uh, I, normally the first thing I do is do a record in the morning, uh, I, I get the script in front of me, <coughs> I've got the microphone in front of me, I have a cup of tea, normally a coffee in the morning, and it kind of sets me off burping. So I'm going to play this little clip for you. This is a short example of what it sounds like when I'm trying to record the audio for Murder Mile. Today's episode is about <coughs> Today's episode... Today's episode... Oh, come on. To the... Uh.
to the left, and a bright beaming smile. Her snakeskin shoes weren't scattered. Uh, fucking hell. Did you enjoy that? I'm sorry if anyone was having their breakfast and you were uh, offended by that. That was just a small compilation. I was actually considering doing uh, a whole, I could do a whole hour compilation of me just belching. And that's not me going, oh, this will be good for uh, sound effects. This is literally me going, oh, God, oh. I don't know whether it's my seating position, but I, I tend to get a bit burpy uh, when I'm uh, oh, doing extra mile. Maybe it's, maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's performance anxiety. I don't know. But anyway, so uh, you'll hear a boat going by now. Uh, because I'm doing extra mile, because I don't need to keep uh, the sound quiet. Oh, no, it's a regular boat. It's a... Uh, there you go. You can hear it. A little narrow boat. About the same as mine, same size as mine, with a couple on it. So not the same as mine, because I'm a bit of a sad bastard all by myself. Uh, it's nice today, <coughs> because it's extra mile, I don't need to keep the sounds out. So I've got the front doors open, the back doors open, and my side hatch, which is great. The last couple of weeks, I haven't been able to have it open, but because, you know, it's on the left-hand, right-hand side of the boat, and if you're moored up on the right-hand side, people tend to peep in. They peep into your boat while, you, while your door's open, and they go, Oh, look, Muriel, he's got a kitchen. Oh, I didn't know boats had a kitchen. They're always doing that. People are so thick. They go, oh, I wonder if he's got a bed. It's like, yes, how do you think we sleep? Some people are so thick. Some people have asked me questions whether I have a bathroom. It's like, what do you think we do? Do you think we dive into the water and uh, wash our faces in the canal? Uh, do you think we poo over the side? Some people do. Trust me, some people do. Uh, anyway, so <coughs> the next clip I thought I'd show you is what I, I like to call annoying train. This happens a lot. I think this was uh, recorded a couple of weeks ago. I can't remember what episode it was. But I was moored up not too far away from a train going past. And because it was the morning, I was trying to record. <coughs> and there were trains going past every couple of seconds. Like you might remember when with the episode four of the Blackout Ripper, where I was trying to record next to a scrapyard, next to a scrapyard and next to the West Coast train line and an industrial train line. God, it was frustrating. But this is a clip I am calling Annoying Train. When Susan's body was stripped, the jury, the jury, the jury witnessed a catalogue of injuries. Oh, you f***ing c The jury witnessed a catalogue of injuries. So I apologise to anyone if they don't like bad language. That happens every single episode. There's normally loads of those. Especially like uh, if, if uh, in where I am at the moment. Because I think I've said before that a lot of the planes use the canal. Because it's a direct route into the city. So a lot of small and large planes go, oh right, the canal system will use that. So it's, it's just, it's good navigation for them. So you get a lot, a lot planes going over trains you get idiots outside the boat you get you get uh, uh holiday boaters as i think we've all heard before my my love for holiday boaters oh idiots oh i could kill them all maybe i could just do a murder mile episode about all the all the holiday boaters i'm gonna murder i'd run them over i think i'd, I'd drown them and run them over 
So um, here's <laughs> another clip I'm going to show you. Uh, I think I've alluded to this on a couple of Extra Mile episodes, but this is a slightly longer clip. Obviously, uh, have I put this in? Have I put this in? No, this comes shortly. Okay, uh, so this is kind of uh, the clip between... So when I've recorded uh, Murder Mile, obviously I record that, and then I go and make a cup of tea, and then I get myself ready, and then I come back, and I record. I, I keep it recording. I don't switch anything off. I just keep it recording, and then I sit down and get myself ready. And this is what you don't hear. What you can kind of hear in the background is uh, me fiddling, putting on a cup of tea, muttering to myself, or as we like to call it, chuntering, uh, and then opening all of the windows and doors and getting myself ready. Now, uh, that's a slightly boring clip there, but what I'm going to show you is uh, deliberately, I've deliberately done that so I can set it up for this one. So, um, obviously, uh, across the world, I think this summer, we've had a heat wave, haven't we? It's been horrific for months. Um, now, I, I don't mind the heat. I quite like the cold as well. It's all, it's all good for me. It's all good either way. But the problem is, uh, if you're living on a, a canal boat, uh, and mine is made of steel, um, <coughs> if you go out on, a, on a, a cold morning and you touch the boat, it'll be freezing cold because the steel gets really cold. But it's a nice hot day today. The steel will be hot. Sometimes on really, really hot days, you touch it and it burns your fingers. It's super hot. It really, really does react to the heat. Uh, so on a couple of the episodes that we had to do in this the start of this season, obviously in order to keep the sound out from everything else outside, like all the idiots, the, the holiday boaters and all that, I had to close all the windows, all of the doors, any ventilation, close all the curtains, and I had to sit there, and that's where I recorded. And on some of the episodes, I can't remember which ones it was, it would be some of the first five or six episodes in this season, um, <coughs> it was really hot. It was like we were getting up to 33, 34 degrees Celsius. Inside the boat, it was getting up to 38, 39. So um, that's in real money. In in uh, foreign money, it, that would be uh, late 90 degrees Celsius, approaching 100. So it's inside here, and I'm, I'm here for two hours with the equipment on, and it was bloody hot. Uh, and I was dying. So this is a clip. Uh, just like what we've just heard, but this is the difference between me ending Murder Mile and then starting uh, Extra Mile. This is the bit you don't hear. Thank you for listening, and sleep well. Fuck that was bakey, bakey fucking hot. Toasty fucking get some icy shitty windows fucking open now, Jesus Christ. Feeling hot, hot, hot. Oh, doors open, come on, doors open, stay open. Right. Oh, cold air, cold air, cold air, cold air. I can open that clip. Oh. God, everything's hot to touch. Right.
feeling hot, hot, hot. Da, 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 da. Oh, frigate, right. So I hope you enjoyed that. That was me, really hot. Literally, God, it was so hot. I, I couldn't see the screen. The sweat was pouring into my eyes. I was having to wipe the sweat out of my face in order so I could keep uh, saying the words, <laughs> so I could keep recording. <coughs> God, that cake is really... I'm still going to eat that bloody cake, though. Um, so, yeah, it was really, really hot. And that, what you could hear was me running around the boat going, oh, oh, hot, 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 and literally opening every window and door to get any kind of ventilation in. God, it was hot. Really hot that, that day was. Uh, soon we will be coming up to the winter months, so you'll hear me complaining about it being cold. <laughs> Obviously, I won't be uh, opening up all the windows and doors. I will just be here going, bloody hell. Uh, in the mornings, obviously, if I don't have my fire ready and I haven't got my thermal th socks on, I will probably, I guarantee you, in winter, I'll be recording Murder Mile episodes with a woolly hat on and thermals and gloves and a scarf and thermal socks and booties and oh, constantly making hot drinks throughout. Oh, dear, it's going to be cold. Uh, so that will be, get ready for that. That will be the, um, the multi-parter. So I'm going to risk some more cake. Get ready to hear some more coughing. It's alright. It's not great. But. I do like cake. Do like cake. So. Um, obviously you all know that I've got a bit of a. Um, <clears throat> a bit of a stutter. A bit of a speech impediment. Uh, and I'm dyslexic. So I haven't put, really put any of those in. Because we've heard all those clips many times before. But. I do have a problem uh, sometimes pronouncing words. Uh, and I don't know why. It just kind of comes out from nowhere. You, I sit down and I go, come on, come on, just say these words. I did it in rehearsals. And suddenly, when it goes to um, when it goes to the record, I just, for some reason, I just stumble over the words. Um, so, <laughs> here's one. Um, I can't remember which episode it was now. Oh, don't switch off. Here's, here's one, and it's me trying to say the word rewarded. Yeah, I said it, rewarded. Um, but obviously, I struggle in this clip. And was and was and was reward rewarded rewarded reward rewarded and was rewarded and was rewarded 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 and was rewarded and was reward. And was reward rewarded. Come on, Michael. And was rewarded by supervised by supervised visits to his home. Why? Why was I struggling with that word? I have no idea. Absolutely no idea. Rewarded. See there. Rewarded. Rewarded. I can say it about a billion times. So there, for some reason, I couldn't say. Re I, I can't even mispronounce it now. That's ridiculous. Anyway, there was another one. It was in the final episode of the Blackout Ripper, where I had to say that he was. I think he was living somewhere in an Oxfordshire village. Oxford. Oh, Oxfordshire village. Yeah, see, I can say it there almost. Oxfordshire village. I'll play this clip. It's 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 bizarre. I I, I couldn't get it so i ended up having to not put it in the episode because i couldn't actually pronounce the bloody words there we go they had two lovely children and lived happily in mill cottage in the quaint oxford in the quaint oxford 
in the quaint Oxfordshire, 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 in the quaint Oxfordshire, 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 in the quaint Oxfordshire, Oxfordshire, in the quaint Oxford, in the quaint Oxford village of Burford, in the quaint Oxfordshire visit, Oxford, Oxfordshire village, Oxfordshire. In the quaint Oxford village of Burford. Bizarre, isn't it? Absolutely bizarre. Why could I not say Oxfordshire village? Oxfordshire village. Uh, see, now I'm saying it. It's getting worse. Uh, <laughs> oh, but uh, obviously I won't play full clips of me struggling to say words. Because, oh God, sometimes it just goes on for ages and ages. But don't worry, there's some, there's some absolute beauties coming up soon. Uh, I'm just looking at my next section. Oh my God, you're going to love this next section. Uh, obviously, if you're here for the first time for Murder Mile, you'll think, oh my God, this show show must be shit. Um, especially with this bit and the next bit. But this is just me having a bit of fun. This is just me having a bit of a giggle. And uh, for, for regular listeners of Murder Mile, I hope you enjoy this. Um, I'm, I'm, hopefully when we take breaks, I'm going to do some more of these. If you enjoy these, let me know. Uh, I, I, I think it's a nice... Um, chance to break because uh, obviously we've we've had some um, quite thought provoking and sad and uh, emotional episodes recently uh, and I think this is just a nice nice way to kind of break from it I think we all need a break don't we I'm on a break at the moment I have to say oh I know that I moved my break because uh, I'm meant to do two more episodes I'm meant to do the uh, Freddie Mills episodes and then I was going to take a break but I was so exhausted doing three episodes at the same time actually technically five, uh, editing and writing and re- uh, researching <clears throat> all at the same time. My brain was just fried, so I couldn't actually do it. And I just thought there's no way that I could really give justice to the Freddie Mills episodes because I'm really excited about doing those. I've got the research done. I just need to sit and write it. I thought I'm too exhausted. There's no way we're doing it. So uh, that's why I've deliberately moved these breaks earlier. And it was so nice. Do you know what? Um, Episode 45, the Camille Gordon episode, I just finished recording that and I was just sitting down to start doing the first draft on the audio uh, to get rid of all the crap. I'll explain this in uh, Extra Mile Part 3. To get rid of all the crap, get rid of all the kind of... (gasps) and all the munching sounds and me drinking tea and me stuttering and all the horrible stuff like that. (coughs) Oh, dear. And um, normally at that point... Uh, with the way these weeks have been catching up with me, I, I, normally at that point I'd be like, right, as soon as I've done a first draft, I need to sit down and start writing episode 46, and and in the evening I need to research episodes 47 and 48. But it was so nice this week, I literally, I'd finished recording uh, episode 45 of the Camille Gordon episode, and I just thought, God, I'd, I don't have another one to do, because it brought the breaks back, all of a sudden I I felt really relaxed. I felt really good. I've actually had a couple of days where, do you know, the Camille Gordon episode, it took me three days to edit, but because uh, I didn't rush it. I wasn't in a rush anymore. I wasn't in, uh, I, I had to get it for uh, Patreon listeners uh, to get their Monday episode because uh, you, you get it a little bit earlier. That was the only deadline I really had, really, apart from the, the a couple of days later for the Thursday episode for everyone else. But um, no, it was great. It was nice to have a little bit of a relax. So, um, 
Yeah, no, so uh, it's nice to do uh, these Extra Mile episodes. I think it's like a, a nice counterbalance. Something, something stupid and silly. Uh, now, obviously, I thought I'd throw this in. Um, uh, obviously, the Larry Winters episode, uh, I think we all know that uh, I got a bit emotional in the Extra Mile episode. Uh, I think it rang a little bit too close to home. But what I didn't show you uh, was uh, it got... A bit emotional, me just trying to do the ending. That's all it was. It was me I just trying to say the final words for the Larry Winters episode. And I think I got a bit too emotional. <sighs> so uh, I'm going to play that for you now. Mm. Come on. Desperate to go home. To be with his... Mm, go on. Come on, go on. To be... Come on. <clears throat> to be, to be, to be. To be with his mum. Come on, you can do it, do it, one. Larry Winters was simply just this. A frightened young boy... Desperate to go home to be with his mum. Done it. Yeah, it happens. Happens sometimes. I think that's just it because I spend so much time uh, not just researching these people's lives, not just talk, not just researching into the murders itself, but I try really hard to get into their mind, to get into their lives, to understand who they are, and then to write their story. And then by that point, I'm really engaged with them. I really, I know so much about their lives that I can really, I try and write it from their perspective and I really feel for them. So do you know what? I do, I, I get, it's happened many times before where I've, I've struggled to uh, do the audio on an episode just because I'm just so emotionally involved with these, uh, with these people. Um, but uh, it happens, it happens, doesn't it? So uh, I hope that was interesting. That was just a couple of things that you would, you will never ever hear on any uh, Murder Mile episode or any Extra Mile episode. Uh, gonna take a mini break. I'm gonna throw in a promo at the moment uh, for our good friends, a podcast that you may enjoy. So please do give them a listen. And it's called <gasps> Good Nightmare. Mm. Hey everyone, this is Sarah from Good Nightmare Podcast, a podcast where I like to talk about all things strange and unusual, whether it's mysteries, historical crimes, or fairy tale origins. I hope you'll come along for the ride and join me as we delve into some spooky tales. Happy listening! There you go. That was the promo for Good Light, Good Nightmare. I almost said Good Lightmare there. Hmm. Uh, that's not very good of me. So, uh, yeah, no, give them a go. Um, so, <laughs> next, next section. I'm sure you'll enjoy this one. Uh, as you know, in <laughs> Murder Mile ep episodes, um, obviously in the earlier episodes, um, I... Uh, Every time it was a, a bit of uh, like a quote or something, only because I hate in podcasts where people go, quote... They say the word quote and then they say the line. It really annoys me, especially if they have a lot of quotes to say. They go, and then he walked down the street and said, quote, 
It really, really annoys me. It's just, it's, it's shonky. It doesn't work properly. It's, it's awkward, which is why I use kind of a reverb on the voice. So you can know the difference between when I'm talking and when there's a quote. So I don't need to say Bob said. I can just go, uh, and he's walking down the street. Hey, man, what are you doing? It's kind of like, you know, put a bit of reverb on it. I'll put some reverb on that so you can hear it. And then you can understand the difference between them. It, it just It's a, a, just a, a more efficient way of doing it. But obviously, as we got into the late teens in the episodes, I can't remember where it started now, um, I started to do voices. I just thought, you know what, let's really... I'm not really good on voices. We all know that, don't we? <laughs> we all know I'm not good on accents. But you know what, I give it a try. I really do give it a try. Uh, I have considered at times trying to get mates in to do voices. I've asked mates to do voices before, but I've backed out. Only because I think I've got... I think I only ask mates who are talented to do the voices for me because I think that I can't do it myself. But obviously, I think it's good to push yourself sometimes. To say to yourself, do you want to give it a try? I'm not a voice person, but you, you know what? I'm not a, tra- not a trained actor or anything like that. But you know what? give it a go so <laughs> i've drawn up a list of my best and worst accents so far i haven't put them in any order i haven't put them one to ten i literally <laughs> i'm going to i'm going to play you some <laughs> some accents <laughs> that i have done over the series and uh, we'll see if you enjoy them. <laughs> some of them are really shit but so opening with uh, from um the brian alexander robinson episode Really good episode. If you haven't heard it, go back and listen to it. It's the second one in this season. Uh, It's a very interesting story. It's kind of a racist attack that happened on uh, uh, Darbley Street uh, in Soho. Very interesting, but obviously most of the characters involved were Jamaican. And I'm not Jamaican, Uh, although I know a man who is. He could have done the voices, but uh, I I decided rather to do it myself. So here's my Jamaican accent. (laughs) Here we go. As inside, Brian shouted, Let me out! Oliver's out there! Fearful of the unimaginable horror his best friend was facing, as the missiles rained down. Obviously, uh, <laughs> obviously, I got my Jamaican accent from uh, anyone who uh, uh, was alive in Britain in the 1980s, 1990s, 1990s will remember a Channel 4 sitcom called Desmond's. <laughs> which was about uh, a, a Jamaican family. Oh, it was really about a Jamaican barber called uh, Desmond. And uh, although it was revolutionary for the time, it was kind of late 80s, 90s, I think, and basically almost all of the cast were Jamaican, which is almost unheard of today as well. And there was a couple of whiteies in there, but the white people were really bloody annoying. Really annoying. But there was... There was um, there were some really good actors in there, like like Ramjan John, who um, I think his name was his name Port Pie. And he goes uh, uh, Desmond. It's like he had one of those really really good Jamaican accents, not shit like mine. So uh, I think that's what I tried to base it on. But obviously that Jamaican accent is awful. It's really awful. So for anyone out there, uh, especially my friend Simon, uh, who is a Jamaican uh, from Kingston, don't you know? Um, uh, I apologise for my Jamaican accent. <laughs> Another accent that I did kind of off the hook, which I'm okay with. I think I think I did okay on this one. Um, it was in the Glyndor Michael episode, 
Uh, if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it now. It's a really good episode. I'll be playing a clip of that very shortly. Glyndall Michael, a uh, fascinating story about a homeless man who became a war, a war hero who basically saved all of our lives. Uh, we, I think we owe him a big debt of gratitude. Uh, but in that story, obviously... Um, there was a quote by Winston Churchill. I could have just said the quote, but I thought, you know what, sod it, I'm going to say it. I'm going to do my Winston Churchill impression. Uh, obviously, I'm not as good as Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman, whose impression of Churchill was excellent, although it, it did slightly sound like uh, George from the uh, children's TV series Rainbow. Have a listen to them both. If, you, if, you, if you're uh, uh, from overseas, type in George from... Uh, TV for children's TV series Rainbow. He's kind of like a pink hippo with eyelashes. Listen to that voice and then listen to Gary Oldman doing his Winston Churchill. It's fascinating, and I love Winston. I love Gary Oldman's uh, uh, the way that the way that he did it. He was fantastic, but it does sound like George from Rainbow. Uh, anyway, this is my impression of George from Rainbow, aka Winston Churchill. But everyone knew that. Even Sir Winston Churchill remarked that anyone but a bloody fool would know it was Sicily. So that was in the Glyndor Michael episode. I think I think I was doing half doing my Winston Churchill as, you know, Churchill the dog from the uh, insurance adverts. Oh yes. Oh no 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 no. But I quite I, I thought I did I, th- I thought I did okay there. So yeah yeah. Uh, next up um, was. Uh, Abda al-Razak al-Naif. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Uh, this episode was the assassination of the uh, Iraqi former prime minister, uh, which is a very exciting episode. I'm really, really glad that I found the file to that. That was I didn't think I'd find an assassination file in the archives, but there it was. I, I literally bulldozed that in a day because it was, it was so exciting to read. Um, <coughs> so there were three accents in there. I'm just going to show you two of them now. One was uh, Abda Al Naif, who was the um, who was the former Iraqi prime minister, and uh, Kazim. Uh, now, interestingly, because um, because I want. I wanted to get across that they were Iraqi. Obviously, my Iraqi is not very good. I, this was kind of generic Middle Eastern, if, if we're actually honest about this. Middle Eastern via Scotland and Wales and France. And, you know, it was a full tour of the world. But I wanted to get across these the, these two different people because they were engaged in a lot of conversations. And I really wanted to put, uh, put across that they were very different. So this was a real nightmare to record because I had to sit down and just focus on one voice and then do with the others. Uh, the original voice for... Uh, Kazim, slightly nasal and a little bit annoying like that. And I was just like, this is awful. So finally I did come up with uh, the voice for Kazim, which I I think I'm quite proud of. Uh, So let's hear it. Here's my Iraqi accents. Abda, it's Kazim. We must have a meeting. It's urgent. That thing's... Just things. Too secret to say over the phone. What do you reckon? Okay. Obviously, they wouldn't pass muster in the Iraqi community. Uh, but I think I did okay with the pronunciation as well. I tried really hard with that. I One thing that annoys me is when I listen to podcasts and, and, and people haven't prepared. Do you know that they... I, 
I heard one podcast recently and they were reading directly off Wikipedia because I was looking at the Wikipedia page and following it word for word, which was really embarrassing, especially as they started the episode by saying, I've been researching this case. Researching this case is not looking at Wikipedia. But even worse, they hadn't they hadn't worked out how to say the names, so they were stumbling over the over the, the names, which is wrong. Like like for example, um it wasn't Jeffrey Dahmer, but you know, imagine if they went to where So I'm doing this case about Jeffrey Damer Deemer we'll call him Deemer. It's like that it's like you as listeners have dedicated your time to listening to a true crime podcast and you expect us to have done the research, which is why I, I deliberately go out of my way to make sure the research is as, as near as accurate as I can make it using the most authentic sources as possible. Because the last thing that I really feel that you deserve is to kind of dedicate an hour listening to a podcast and then and then you realise that someone just they haven't bothered to do any research. They, or even worse, they've just listened to someone else's podcast and not bothered to clarify the details uh so uh my next voice oh dear um this was this was uh, in the last episode episode 45 uh, it was my uh, jokey opener that i did to kind of lure people in to join to join uh patreon because uh that's the only way i'm making money at the moment although the e-shop might help out e-shop might help out and the tours are going okay thank you very much and i'm making a tiny 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 bit of money off the adverts for the uh um the uh, podcast mm, come on adverts pick up a bit oh god i need to earn some money so i can ha- oh, so i can buy some better cake oh dear so <laughs> go to the e-shop yeah go to the e-shop buy some goodies uh so this is my cockney copper that i opened up with the next episode um Sorry, episode 45. Uh, it was good fun. It wasn't quite, quite my best accent. Uh, it wasn't entirely based on uh, a, a certain uh, Guinness-loving, Arsenal-loving uh, copper with a Pippa Middleton fixation. Actually, is a big Pippa Middleton fixation. Uh, so it's not really based on his voice at all. Not that he exists, but uh, I just thought it'd be fun. So here's my cockney copper. Evening all. My name is Police Constable Arsenal Guinness of the Metropolitan Plod. On behalf of Her Majesty the Queen, God bless you, Mum, and her rather fit granddaughter-in-law, I am here to warn you about the counterfeit episodes of Murder Mile, What is Knocking About? There you go. Hope you enjoyed that. That was uh, a bit of Cockney. A bit of Cockney. Uh... <laughs> Here's one. Oh dear. Okay. Uh, back in the Canal Killers episodes, this was kind. Of, I think this is one of the early ones when I attempted to do accents. So this was. Uh, what would this be? This would be twenty-three and twenty-four. Um, I don't have the data in front of me, so it could be wrong. Uh, it's the John Sweeney episodes. So it was a two-parter about John Sweeney, uh, uh, kind of the, the the maniac who basically chopped up. He chopped up uh, Paula. Paula Fields and left her body in the canal. These were my canal-based episodes, so I'd done four episodes based on the canal because I live on the canal, which is all very good. There's another one that I would love to do, but it's slightly outside of the West End, so it's not within the remit. Hence, I've, I've extended our remit, but it's just slightly outside. So uh, this is John Sweeney. Uh, John Sweeney obviously grew up in in Liverpool, uh, but he's not he's not a Beatles Liverpool that kind of Liverpool. He's <laughs> I like. <laughs> So I, 
that was really awful. Any Liverpudlians out there, I apologise. Uh, I've got family who are scouts and friends, so uh, I can get away with it. Um, so, uh, this, is my, this is my Liverpudlian impression of John Sweeney. There we go. On one occasion, he was heard to scream, Who do you think you are? I'm the one who says what you can and can't do. Awful. Awful, awful, awful. Really bad. Really piss poor. <laughs> but you know what? Uh, it w- I think that was the best. That was the best take of the worst. But but then again, I'll, I'll come to some very shortly. And uh, sometimes with uh, phrases and accents, it, it depends on what's said. It really is. It's like sometimes someone can say something um, and it, it, everything comes out right. Just because it's the way the words sound, but if if oh, I'll explain it very shortly, right? So, uh, Charlotte Street robbery. I thought that was quite an interesting episode. I did a bit of a uh, uh, a twist on that. So, uh, telling you uh, what everyone talked about the Charlotte Street robbery, blah blah blah. What uh, the press always say, but then I ended it with the true story that everyone ignores. And uh, I think a lot of people seem to enjoy that. So it went, went really well. Originally, my plan was because there were two robberies in the Charlotte Street robbery. There was the one over in the one in Charlotte Street, obviously. Hence, it's called the Charlotte Street robbery. Otherwise, it would be a bit shit, bit of a shit episode, wouldn't it? The Charlotte Street robbery with no robbery. Um, and then, then there was one over in... <gasps> where was it? Uh, Queens, Queensway. Queensway. Yeah, I was trying to remember what it was called. Uh, so it was over in Queensway. Uh, my original idea was I was going to make the kind of robberies sound quite chaotic as they were. So what I wanted to do was um, record myself as loads of different kind of uh, London-based robbers robbing the place. And then I was going to intersperse it so it kind of you kind of hear one coming out your left ear and one out your right and one in the centre and it sounds like oh, it sounds like lots of lots of geezers in in the kind of bank going shut it mate close the door yeah get the safe that kind of ex- exciting thing uh, I didn't actually end up using it just because I thought my accents were a bit shit so uh, <laughs> it's just a, a small very small sample of some of the voices that I was going to add, but never did. Get over there. You, here. Open it. Faster, faster. Stay where you are. Stay where you are. You, against the wall. Open it. Open it now. Stay down. Shut it. You stay down. Get here. I'm going to try some more cake. This is the chocolate end. Very dry. No, very dry. Marks out of ten. Two. After I've done this, I'm going off to go after the Asda's, as we say. Going to pick up some nice cake. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, our penultimate best worst accent um, um, is from the Susan Moyer episode that we just did a couple of weeks ago. A very, very sad story, if you haven't heard it already. Um, A very basic story about domestic abuse, but... 
very harrowing and I think I tried to tell it in a way which was uh, heartfelt and honest and didn't gloss over the details of exactly how bad domestic violence can be in people's lives I think too often it's like too easy to say domestic violence and then you just kind of brush it under the carpet of just going you know it's a domestic I think sometimes it gets categorized as a domestic which is and it's not an argument between two people it really is shocking violence from one person against another or even between two people so uh um but not to make light of it uh my glaswegian impression impression or i wanted to do a kind of a because we don't really know where alexander moyer came from uh there's about five alexander moyers all born in scotland all born on the same date all of whom moved to london two of whom were bakers uh so it's hard to pin down exactly exactly which one he was um some people say he's from Arbroath some people say he was uh <coughs> a Glaswegian so I try, I thought Glaswegian accent would be a good one to try cuz it's quite it's quite guttural it's quite harsh and I thought it would that would get across his uh his temperament nicely so I attempted to do some Glaswegians and this is where I was saying earlier on that uh, sometimes the words that people say really make it do you know you could you can do the accent well but there are other words that can't, that just you just can't get them to gel, and I don't know why. So here was my Alexander Moyer. Um, some bits you'll understand why. Grieve, uh, that works. Him saying grieve, grieve, works nicely. But there's other words in there that I try to say, and it veers off into French. I don't know why. So anyway, this is my Alexander Moyer impression. I'll murder you before I'm done with you. Let that drunken bitch wait. Let that drunken bitch wait there till she comes to herself. Let that drunken bitch wait there till she comes to herself. Ah, let that drunken bitch wait there till she comes to herself. Till till she comes to herself. This is more like gravy. This is more like gravy. Not the watery soup you make. Let that drunken bitch wait there till she comes to herself. If you don't finish your meat, I'll send a rolling pin and I'll force it down your throat. If you don't finish your meat, I will send a, I will send for a rolling pin and I'll force it down your throat. Get up, you drunken bitch. Ah, she's in a very bad state. Astonished it. Astonished it lasted as long as it had done. No, there's no need. Awful, awful, wasn't it? Absolutely awful. Uh, so, yeah, no, so uh, I, I was like that for about 10 minutes, just trying different voices. And then I actually had to go back in and re-record them. So the ones that you actually heard uh, are the, the best of the worst. Best of the worst. And, uh yeah. They were pretty shit, weren't they? Um, so, oh, I've, got, I've got another clip here. I'm, I've just written, Larry Winters, show my attempt. What the frick was that? Larry Winters? I don't even think I... No, I haven't even made myself a uh, a copy of that. In that case, I won't show that clip. Balls to it! I think it was another Scottish one anyway. Uh, so it would have been dreadful. And all my all my Scottish listeners would have gone. Um, I'm no listening listening to this. Yeah, that was pretty bad. Fit ball, fit ball. 
Can you believe I've got Scottish relatives? Um, anyway, uh, so uh, that was that section. Uh, I hope you haven't switched off already. Uh, I'm going to play you another promo, if I may. These are from our good friends from Slafter. Hi, I'm Emma. And I'm Lucy. And we're the co-hosts of Slaughter the Podcast. We get together and talk about cases of true crime from the UK. We take a light-hearted look at some of the darker topics. You can find us on Apple Podcast, Acast, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, listening to Slaughter doesn't make you a psycho. Killing people does. If you haven't heard it already, check it out. Uh, Lucy and Emma do a fabulous podcast called Slaughter. Give it a go. They were they were fellow nominees with myself and uh, They Walk Amongst Us at the British Podcast Awards. We were uh, nominees in the Best True Crime Podcast category. Have I mentioned that before? I don't think I have. Well, I should mention it again. (laughs) I have mentioned it a lot, but why not? Why not? So, um, obviously, I need to earn money. So I'm going to put in an advert break here. The thing is, there might not be any adverts. I think if you're in America or or, or any other country that's not Britain, I don't know whether you get adverts. Although, I got... uh, um, uh, listeners in Australia who said that they do hear adverts on my show, which I don't think I get paid for anything overseas, which is slightly annoying. I might need to quiz my hosts about that. But anyway, I'm going to put in an advert break. I'm going to put it in a couple of seconds. You might hear an advert. You might not. So here's the advert break. Go. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Did you hear an advert? If you did, and you were in the United Kingdom, I would have made, I worked this out the other day, I would have made, off that one, a quarter of a P. And I don't I don't, I don't just mean like a little P. Actually, it might as well be a P. That would probably be more than quarter of a P. But that, I earned quarter of a P off that. <whistles> I'm going to be rich. Yeah. Uh, so uh, hopefully one day when uh, my uh, figures start going up um uh, this is what i'm trying trying to push forward so i, so I can start making it um at least some kind of uh, money off the podcast so i can do this do this full time that'd be lovely imagine that i could do i could do an episode every single week 
on a continuum that would be really good and maybe even hire someone to help me with the research god that would be great uh but i think i'd write them all myself i don't think i'd let other people write them anyway uh hope you enjoyed that that was the advert there that was very exciting i hope that it was an advert for uh hopefully an exciting film or a loofah or uh uh, something to help get rid of genital warts or you know all exciting things all exciting things um this is actually meant to be um do you know when you hear the adverts in uh, all of these podcasts um most of us most of the podcasters have no control over that so uh if you were to message your podcaster and say oh why did you put in an advert for a mattress or things like that um weirdly we have no control over it basically we just put in a, a tag in at the front and front and back and in a mid section you can tell when people haven't done it properly because if it falls in the middle of a sentence that means they haven't bothered to move their tag but i that's why i deliberately put my mid section in between murder mile and extra mile um but this is all it's it's called uh dynamic advertising so basically what it's meant to be is we put the markers in and we say right i want the advert to go here right in the middle and one at the front one at the back one in the middle um and then Based on how you set up your phone or your laptop or whatever, based on your uh, location and the details that your computer... This is very interesting, isn't it? Uh, based on the details that you may have given your uh, laptop already, like you may have already logged in and it knows uh, your sex, your gender, possibly, your age, definitely your location. What they will try and do is tailor the adverts uh, around what it knows about you. Uh, which is interesting. Like I, I tend to get a lot of food ones, food ones, and mattresses uh, and movies seem to be a current one. Uh, I did recently get one for tampons. Yeah, yeah, not too sure about that. Maybe it's trying to tell me something. There was one really recently on on uh, Atletico Mints, which is a, a, a hilarious, funny podcast that I listen to with Bob Mortimer and Andy, and it's meant to be about football, but it's not really about football, which is good because I hate football. And there was an advert in there for a show that was coming up. And given the fact that this is meant to be a show about football, and you you, you know the kind of people who, who like football, you know, kind of lads, things like that, like me, lads. Um, there, there was an advert on there for um, two really, really posh ladies uh, having exquisite dinners. And I was like, what the frick? Maybe maybe that was me, or maybe the I don't know I don't know. Anyway, uh, so I hope you enjoyed the advert. That was very exciting, wasn't it? This is this is going very well. Uh, so I thought I put in some uh, some of my highlights from this season. God, I've run out of tea. I've run out of tea, and I've got one piece of cake left. And it's it's like Russian roulette. Do I have it's cold tea as well? Do I have the cake? And wash it down with the rest of the cold tea. Or do I drink the cold tea and then have the cake and then have a choking bit? Oh, man. It's like watching Deer Hunter only with marble cake and cold tea. Um, that's my treat for the night. I'm, I'm watching Deer Hunter. Ah, oh, great. Three hours of misery. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, <coughs> yep, coughing. Shouldn't really have marble cake. So, highlights of the season for me. Uh, I've, I've done it because I've never done a highlights package like this before. I thought I'd do uh, last season and so far what we've done on this season. And uh, one of the first 
clips I thought I'd show. I'm like a clip show, aren't I? This is very exciting. Maybe the BBC will hire me to do this. That'd be great, wouldn't it? Yeah, my own TV show where I talk about my own podcast. Um, here is a clip from the Richard Rhodes Henley episode. Um, for those of you who remember, he was the Canadian sailor who had a massive masturbation fixation. Um, and I won't do the whole clip on here, but um, this is quite an important uh, uh, episode for me because obviously, I, me being me, I couldn't get away with not putting in references to masturbation throughout the episode because uh, he was a classic masturbator. So uh, that's that's what I did. So uh, I'm just going to show a little bit clip of it now. If you enjoy it, go back and listen to the uh, original episode. I think it's episode 16 or 17. I think it's 16. Uh, so here's the Richard Rhodes Henley clip. Henley was a masturbator, a chronic masturbator, who dove into his work to keep his mind on the job and his hands out of his pants. As the second he wasn't whipping an egg white, fluffing a pancake batter, or frothing a custard to a creamy head, his dirty desire would take over, and he would dive into the communal navy toilet, known as the head, for a five-knuckle shuffle. Ah, yes. Classic euphemisms. There's there's one, I couldn't put it in because the clip was too long, but there's one just before that where um, I I make reference to all the sailors coming off the boat and because they were wearing white uniforms, I I say that something like uh, the dock dock was washed white with semen. And I love that. I love I love I love throwing in those little things. There were so many euphemisms in this episode, I had to cut them down because there were too many. I literally I went into I went into euphemism overload. Uh so uh hope you enjoyed that one. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. Maybe you find it disgusting. Maybe you're sitting there shaking your head at the moment, going, Oh my god, this is disgusting. Uh this is probably not the podcast for you. <laughs> Next one um is from my Dennis Nielsen episodes. Uh, obviously, you know, with the two parter on this, I didn't do about uh, Dennis Nielsen and the people he did kill. Uh, this was more about Dennis Nielsen and the people he didn't kill because they are far more fascinating. The the ones he let go, the ones he almost killed, and even the ones this is what we we do on the episode is the one he he thought he'd killed, then realised he hadn't, and then he had to bring him back to life. So that was fascinating. But this was um, the moment he killed his first victim, Stephen Holmes. Uh, and it was the the moment that he strangled him. Um, the audio is a bit shitty on this because it's obviously using my old microphone. I'm thinking about redoing all the old episodes. Uh, I'm thinking about redoing it now. I've got a better microphone, but I need time to do it. Anyway, here's the uh, Dennis Nielsen episode. Oh, not episode, the clip. Oh, I wouldn't show you a whole episode. Otherwise, that would be uh, that would take up a lot of time. Here's a Dennis Nielsen clip. But with alcohol still coursing through his veins, his judgment clouded by paranoia, and his bitterness towards his father, his mother, his siblings, his friends, and everyone who'd ever abandoned him or rejected him raging, after a slew of pretty young things had used and abused him, Nielsen knew that this new boy would do the same. Later Nielsen would state, I just wanted him to stay with me for New Year's Day, and maybe a bit longer. On the floor, 
on top of his crumpled heap of clothes. Nielsen spotted his necktie, a garish-coloured length of tightly woven cotton. Stealthily, he reached down, trying not to wake the snoring youth. Slowly slid the tie under the sleeping boy's soft, thin neck, and tying it in a knot at the back, he pulled. Survival instincts kicked in as Stephen awoke with a start to see Nielsen on top of him. All sixteen stone of the man was bearing down, his wild eyes glaring at him, the rage of rejection in his face, and in each clenched fist he held the taut end of a necktie. As Stephen's throat was throttled, his air was stopped, his tongue swelled, and his panic-raddled face turned purple. As the blood vessels in his bulging eyes ruptured, until slowly, with legs and fists flailing, the desperate boy's struggle ceased. But as Bleep the dog watched from the hall, her ears down, her head bowed, and her tail tucked, as she creeped forward and started to sniff the corpse's leg, Dennis angrily ushered her away, banishing her to the other room, having not sensed that certain something strange that only she could. Stephen Holmes wasn't dead. I'm having the cake. I'm having the cake. If I have a choking fit, you know. Um, So if you haven't heard the Dennis Nielsen, uh, have a listen to them. They're quite interesting. The audio's a bit shit, but um, uh, I'm going to improve that very shortly. Oh, no, I'm not going to commit to that. Uh, Another one got crappy audio slightly, but it was my first ever episode. Uh, And this actually, this episode uh, took me almost a month to make. It was my first one. I didn't know how to do it. I really was struggling with... Uh, um, obviously, I, I, I didn't realise that I got a really crappy microphone. I should have bought a better one, but I got a crappy one. Um, I was still learning how to use the software. I was I, I didn't know how to tell the story properly, so I was really messing around with it, having a bit of fun. Um, and I think this really helped me learn how to layer sounds onto each episode uh, without going overboard, without going, and then he opened the door, that kind of thing. Uh, What I wanted to do was just um, use sound to kind of uh, add to the experience of what you're listening to. Uh, And I think that really helped with uh, doing the Denmark Place Fire, which was my very first episode. So here's the clip. Inside, the party was in full swing. The night was hot. The air was thick, and to keep the party secret, the windows were shut. But Jose Franco kept the cool drinks flowing, Hernan Skinny Vargas kept the salsa track spinning, with a special mix from his own personal collection that he kept in the attic, and Eduardo Trujillo toasted the last days of his best friend Elizabeth Mercado, having booked her airline tickets to take her back home to Colombia. But outside... Having blocked the only entrance or exit to both clubs, Thompson 
opened his jacket, pulled out a black metal can, and poured through the letterbox two gallons of petrol. Inside the club, no one noticed the temperatures rise. No one heard the crackle of fire as the flames licked up the wooden walls, and no one smelt the choking smoke above the thick aroma of tobacco and sweaty bodies. At a little after 3:30 a.m., Lubin Reese heard a bang. Not a big bang, but enough of a bang to be heard over the music, and he asked. Did you hear that? But no one was sure, so we went outside to check. What greeted him was an inferno. The entire central stairwell was engulfed in flames as fire licked up the tinder dry walls, making the security doors too hot to touch, let alone open. Another bang shook the stairwell, then another, and another. As the ground floor erupted with a series of explosions, as having converted the concrete floored space into a parking bay, it now housed almost thirty hot dog vendors' trolleys, each packing two thirteen-kilo bottles of highly flammable propane. I think that went went quite nicely. Obviously, these are kind of sounds that you just um, are are hard to. Hard to make and hard to track down. I'm, I'm doing an episode about sounds and music uh, for Murder Mile. I think that's going to be my part three of Extra Mile. So if you enjoy that, I'll be going into a lot more detail about that then, about how the sounds are created and things like that. Uh, but yeah, that, I think that's good. That was my, my Denmark place fire. I'm going to eat some more cake. Um, now I'm left at the bottom of the bag with what is basically a crumb fest. A chocolate and a crumb fest, and I'm definitely going to eat all that. That's going to kill me. I'm going to be choking me guts up eating that, but you know what? Cake. Got to be done. Um, here's just a little clip. It's a tiny little clip, but it's... I, you know I love writing, and you know I love... Um, I love my descriptions of things. I love going into really, really uh, vivid descriptions of uh, uh, places where we are and what people look like. I, I, I try and I try and paint a picture for you all. Um, so no matter where you are, even if you've not been to London, even if you've not seen these places, even if you've lived in Soho all your life and you've never looked at these places carefully, or you've never met these people, I try and paint a picture with it, and I try and be as vivid as possible and 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 give you. Uh, good examples and descriptions and things like that, etc., uh, etc. Et blah blah blah. Uh, but here's one that probably went unnoticed recently. I put in lines that I'm quite proud of, which most people probably gloss over. But um, these are things that I just like. So uh, this is one uh, in the David West episode that went out a couple of weeks ago. Strangely. Although the back entrance of Abracadabra was a garish pink eyesore, just to the left, at number eight Ormond Yard, although this was where Big Dave lived, the house was uncharacteristically bland, all brown brick, bare wood, and a flat front. And as little Dave pushed open the stylish dark green front door, on the bright white carpet, at the foot of the stairs. In a crumpled mess of pink and gold, 
It looked as if a clumsy drag queen had dumped a bag of trash. But they hadn't. That was his dad. I thought that was quite nice. Uh, kind of uh, describing because of the because of the gaudy, the gaudiness of his clothes, looking like a, a drag queen's trash. I think I thought it was a nice description because it sums up the colour, but it also comes up the kind of slumped, you know, the way he's slumped on the floor. I kind of like things like that. So there's loads of those dotted around. Um, I think I think some people in the Glindor Michael episode liked my descriptions at the start. Of uh, of uh, men going out and picking up prostitutes. I can't remember how I did it. Well, there's a, a coot outside, getting all excited. Um, another highlights clip that I'll show you. <laughs> this is a good example. This is, it follows on from what we were just saying. So the Alexander Litvinenko episode. Uh, this was the Russian dissident who um, two. This is this is so appropriate because we're having a lot of this going on in Salisbury at the moment uh, with uh, lots of Russia, top Russian spies coming over and uh, attempting to murder people with various poisons. This was Alexander Litvinenko. They tried to poison him uh, by using uh, polonium-210, which is highly radioactive, uh, very deadly, but with a Geiger counter, very easy to spot. And also the signs are really easy to spot as well, if you if you know that's what you're looking for. Uh, so this was uh, Alexander Litvinenko. This is my description of the the assassins when they tried to turn up. And they were like, you know, uh, we're we assassins in London. What should you do? Should you turn up and wear, like, uh, your most discreet outfits? Or, or should you not? Uh, and they decided on not. So here's that clip. Having ridden the Gatwick Express to Victoria Station, at roughly 1pm, Lugovoy and Kovtun checked into the Shasbury Hotel. With the tiring seven-hour journey behind them, they both unpacked, washed, and changed into their chosen disguises. Adopting the look, the style, and demeanour of two highly respectable businessmen. Or they would have done if those businessmen were colourblind, had dressed in the dark, and their attire was entirely inspired by cheesy mob villains from the 1980s TV series Miami Vice. Rather than adopting anonymous black suits to help blend seamlessly into the city, Lugovoy opted for a loud brown checkered suit. Kovtun wore the tackiest silvery metallic suit imaginable, which was made of finest polyester and with both men accentuating their look with brightly coloured shirts, garish ties, day-glow socks, and a wrist-jangling assortment of chunky gold chains, bracelets, and sovereign rings, their unsubtle attire was so shocking and eye-wateringly gaudy that it caused the hotel staff to chuckle, with the hotel's manager, Goran Krigo, later commenting, The colours didn't match. The suits were either too big or too small. They just didn't look like people who were used to wearing suits. They looked like, uh, I think the expression is, like a donkey with a saddle. But feeling like they looked a million rubles, Lugovoy and Kovtun headed out to commit the perfect murder. 
Yeah, that's just a small, small piece. If 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 you if you're looking for an episode that's that's uh, amusing, uh, go and listen to the Litvinenko episode. Obviously, uh, the, the description of his death is not amusing at all, and the the sadness of him being murdered as well is not amusing at all. But the embarrassment of just just the shittiest assassins ever, really. I mean, I mean, one of them is now one of them is now a member of the Russian Parliament and is is a, a TV celebrity and does a show called Assassins as well. Absolutely embarrassing. He and like he's hailed as like, you know, this great politician and a an, an, uh, hired a, um, a talented assassin. He's absolutely shit. Really is. I I wouldn't even trust trust him to sit the right way on a toilet. Uh, absolutely num- numpties. Uh, so here's another another one. Uh, obviously, you know that uh, what I try to do with these episodes is to put humour into them, but I deliberately don't take the piss out of the victims. That's something I very much don't do. I only sometimes take the piss out of the perpetrators themselves if they deserve it, uh, or if the episode uh, is okay to have a bit of levity in there. But what I do try and do is put the humour in around the location itself, because obviously the location can't be offended by that. Uh, and uh, things relating to myself as well. And as a voter, uh, uh, who sometimes lives in Little Venice, I'm heading that way soon, um, I put in a description of Little Venice. This was in the Marta Ligman episode, which is part of my Canal Killer series. I think this was episode 22. A really horrific case, like really heartrending and horrible. And again, another episode about domestic abuse. Uh, Very distressing. But at the start of that, I did a nice description of Little Venice. And here is my description. Little Venice is a mishmash of millionaire shag pads and council flats dumped at the arse end of the choking fumes of Paddington Station. With the skies full of cranes, the grass verges strewn with dog shit, and the towpaths splashed with piddle and plop, as a slew of boaters decant stinking cassettes of faecal matter from their boat's loose into a vast fetid pit of willy waste, vaggie splash, and steamy bum lumps. Oh yes, this is exactly like Venice. Yeah, that sums it up. That if, if, given the amount of boaters that are around there, and the fact that there is a uh, there's a little cubicle there where uh, I don't have that because I've I've what's known as a pump out toilet. So basically, all of my all of my wee wee my poo poo uh, go into a big tank. It's like a holding tank. And it's got a formaldehyde in there that breaks it down and you know, stops the smells and things. And then once a year, I just literally just get a... Uh, it's, it's a big suction thing and it just sucks it out and I don't have to deal with it. Whereas if if you've got what's called a cassette toilet, basically, uh, it's like underneath your toilet is like a cassette. And then once a week or something, you know, sooner if you if you do 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 a lot uh you, you have to pull out you have to slide out this big cassette and it's full of a couple of liters of your weeby and your doodoo uh and you have to go to this um it, it's like a huge sink it's a huge sink to a hole in the ground and you have to tip 
it in there. So you have to watch all of your doo-doo go into a big hole full of everyone else's doo-doo. Uh, it's not very nice. Not very nice, which is why I'm glad I've got a pump out. It literally, it's like it's like, it's like like putting it in petrol, only in reverse. Literally, you put, you put the big hose in it, and then you attach it, and it seals, and it makes a big pressure lock, and then it just sucks out all your poo-poo. Uh, and it's but it's great it's got a little it's got a little clear pipe in there so you can watch all your doo-doo go out as a very mature person i do find it very amusing uh so <laughs> so from doo-doo onto heroes swift link that, that was amazing wow where do, how do i come up with them so uh a really good episode that i i, I was uncertain about doing originally it was going to be my first episode in the season but i didn't I didn't think that you guys would accept it because it's not because this is murder mile, but it's not about murder at all. Even though I believed it I, in my heart of hearts, I was like, this is a good story. But I just think I thought, no, I can't start the season like that. So I left it. I left it for about eight or nine episodes. Hence, it's episode 40. This is the fascinating life, death, death and afterlife of Glyndor Michael. If you haven't heard it already, go and have a listen to it. It's really, really good episode. Very suspenseful, very exciting uh, I won't give away too much. Actually, no, I'm going to give away a lot by showing this clip. What a numpty. Uh, so um, you, you, you can trans fast forward by about three minutes if you want to. But uh, basically, Glyndor Michael was a homeless guy. Uh, his, at the start, I tell you about how he became a, a war hero and about he, how he saved my life and your life and everyone's life. He saved millions of lives. But as we go along the story... It's it's his life starts off bad and then it just gets worse and worse and worse and you just feel so sorry for this man and then this happens being bitterly cold wet hungry and homeless as the temperature dropped as low as minus 10 glindor stumbled into an abandoned warehouse at the back of king's cross After three years of isolation, malnutrition, and infection, with his physical and mental health rapidly declining, and being crippled by a lifelong hereditary infection, which riddled his weak and weary body with tremors, seizures, migraines, depression, arthritis, blindness, psychosis, paranoia, and dementia, being cold, hungry, and confused, off the dusty floor, Glindor ate a few scraps of stale bread. But this wasn't a kindly gift left by a generous benefactor, or a piece of misplaced sandwich dropped by an already full night watchman, but a trap for rats. And as Glindor sat, shivering in the shadows, swallowing the stale lumps of bread, he didn't notice that the gooey residue slathered on top wasn't butter, jam, or even dripping, but a paste laced with highly toxic white phosphorus. Having mistakenly ingested mouthfuls of rat poison, as the deadly phosphide paste mixed with the hydrochloric acid in his gut and turned into clouds of highly toxic phosphine, the chemistry of his own body had begun to kill him. And as he lay 
on the cold and dusty floor of an unknown, disused warehouse somewhere in King's Cross. Being wracked with cramp, fever and convulsions, as hot steamy vomit and smoking feces spewed from his orifices as his bowel started to boil. With no one knowing that he was even there, not only was Glyndor Michael lost, unloved and forgotten, but now he was dying. After two days of writhing in excruciating agony, with his central nervous system poisoned, as slowly it began to shut down his liver, his kidneys, his lungs and his heart. Having been found, Glyndor was rushed to the south wing of St Pancras Hospital. But having drifted into a coma, on Thursday the 28th of January 1943, 33-year-old Glyndor Michael was pronounced dead. And with his heart silent, his brain empty, and his blood cold, as rigor mortis set in, and every ounce of life left his slowly decomposing body, his career as a war hero had only just begun. Mmm, exciting. I enjoyed writing that one. It was, it was, it was quite difficult to write, because obviously there's not a lot of information about Glyndor Michael. Uh, because most most people... And, uh, you know, thank you to everyone who sent me very kind messages about that. People have listened to it and they've gone, wow, you know, uh, I knew about Operation Mincemeat, but we never knew about Glyndor Michael. Uh, and I was the same. Do you know what? I, I've, I've known for, oh, years, years, decades about Operation Mincemeat. And I knew that, I knew that Ian Fleming... Uh, was um, uh, Ian Fleming, who was obviously uh, the creator of James Bond. Um, he was uh, he was assistant commander to the guy who... Ca- who, who uh, oh, see, I haven't got my data in front of me. But it was Ian Fleming who kind of came up with, with these ideas, or some of these ideas, and this, they believe, was Ian Fleming's one. So the creator of James Bond came up with this idea, but even he said... Uh, I think it was like uh, out of 30 ideas, this was number 28. And he said, uh, an idea, not a very nice one. And he was honest about that. It was not a very nice one. But you know what? It, it was. Um, this is the way that uh, Britain won the war uh, was because it wasn't through having uh, great military strategy or, or more weapons or using more bombs. It was literally the fact that the, the German forces, especially with Hitler, there was very very direct, very to the point, that they only saw in a very linear line, whereas Churchill deliberately was all about deception. Uh, there's a great book. I think I gave my brother a copy of it. It's, uh, what's it called? It's about, it's about, it's about how, how Churchill became obsessed with, uh, not with tactics, but things like dirty tactics, dirty bombs, uh, creating uh, kind of things that you wouldn't expect that the, the german forces would never expect at all i try i'll try and remember what it's called i gave my brother it for christmas and he he read it and it's like what a fantastic book and it is a fantastic book i'll try and remember that i probably won't um so um next on was the the episode before last the susan moyer episode again do you know what that was another episode where i thought oh, i don't know whether it would work uh, I think that's what I'm learning now is that, you know, to trust my instincts more with this. Firstly, it wasn't in the 
area that we normally do it wasn't in uh soho and even though I'd, I'd expanded it to king's cross and paddington this meant i had to set up a new extra uh, murder mile uh which is covent garden but you know what there's some interesting murders around there so uh I've done that, uh, and I also I didn't know whether you guys would uh, accept it because it it really is just a domestic abuse one. But it was a story I believed in. It was a very heartrending, heartrending and uh, uh, upsetting story. And do you know what? Everyone's feedback on that has been uh, fantastic. So that's given me the confidence to keep to trust my instincts on these episodes. So uh, I'm going to do a little clip about um, Susan Moy. It's not one of the more uh, upsetting ep uh clips um i can't remember which one i've chosen uh but i'm gonna play it now and so what follows are the last days of susan moyer friday the 22nd of march 1850 was bleak wet and cold as a bitter wind whipped down bridges street and washed an inch-thick torrent of rain towards the Thames. Times were hard, money was tight, and sales were short. So with good bread going to waste, once again Alexander tutted. Having worked sixteen hours a day, for seven days a week, since Christmas, it probably never occurred to him that drink wasn't the reason his wife swayed unsteadily on her feet. That a swollen jaw was why her speech was slurred. Or that being bruised was why she moved so slow. But with business being bad, and as she ran the shop, he knew that she was to blame. Alexander Moyer was a 44-year-old Scottish baker. A blunt, brutish bully boy who was short and squat like a bulldog. With an unkempt beard unblinking eyes, a humourless grin, and after a stint in the navy, he had arms like tree trunks, fists like lump hammers, and a temper as short as his fuse. So why she loved him, or whether she even did, that we shall never know. There we go. I think though I think it was a precursor. Uh, I've I've already pre-done all these clips, but annoyingly my laptop won't allow me to listen to clips whilst I'm recording, which is really annoying. I was I was I was all geared up for that. I was going to literally press play and then play them in, and then we can listen to them. But I'm literally just sitting here talking about the clip and going, "Oh, wasn't that good?" And the thing is, I've listened to them hours ago. Oh, technology. So we're coming near to the end of my highlights now. Um, obviously. It would be wrong if uh, I didn't include in the highlights package the Blackout Ripper. Ah, yes, the Blackout Ripper. Um, really enjoyed writing that. That was really good fun. Uh, important to uh, get across the lives of the victims, as obviously they always get ignored. If you uh, Thank you to everyone who's given you kind... Her comments about the Blackout Ripper episode, especially people who, who've who've gone up, um, watched on telly, like gone, oh, oh, um, they're doing um, Blackout Ripper episode on such and such program tonight. I'm going to watch that, and they watch it, and then they go, ah, oh, it's a bit, it's a bit shite, isn't it? They do the same as everyone else, is that they focus on uh, the search for him, and yet all of the victims are basically just name, age, collection of injuries. 
and they get it wrong every time they really do so it, so so that's why I, I really like uh blackout ripper i thought i thought i not to pat myself on the head but i think i did a good job there because it was it was all about the victims and actually i i do you know what i didn't really care that much about him um even though i think uh part eight is interesting about his life I think I think learning so much uh, learning so much about their lives was uh, really fascinating. So especially if you l- listen to part one, if you've if you've not listened to it yet, listen to it in chronological order. Uh, it's this is one of the few episodes that it's important to. Uh, uh, Evelyn Hamilton is the first victim. Um, a lot of good feedback from people on that, saying you know really really sad life. Uh, you know I. I, I kind of put humanity into into her life rather than being a collection of injuries you you learn about her life and the sadness and then when she's dead then you feel sorry for her i think that's what's missing in a lot of kind of true crime things is that people go oh there was this maniac and he was out there and he came from a bad family and he was like an alcoholic and a druggie and then he got an axe and chopped people's heads off and then he got the head and he played football with the head. And then he cut off the hands and he, he made soup with their feet. It's like you get a lot of that in a lot of true crime twaddle. Um, but the thing is, people go, oh, and then he cut a head off. It's like, okay, who did the head belong to? What are they about? Who was that person? What what, what was that person before their head was cut off? That's important to tell. And it, oh, it annoys me so... Oh, I'm getting on my high horse. Uh, it annoys me so much when people just they go oh just a victim is an, a collection of uh, a collection of injuries and a name and an age and that's it if you learn about someone at the start and you learn about their life by the time they end up dead and in someone's freezer and they're just ahead it's fascinating it's interesting it's it's heartfelt that's the end of the story there but obviously a lot of true crime programs and books and literally everything everything they just ignore who the the victims are literally a piece of meat. I was thinking about this today with with a lot of true crime stories that are out there. You could literally just take away the person's name and you could just say uh, Bob went out and he hit uh, a kilo of steak uh, with a mallet. It's uh, you might as well just do that. It's oh oh, it just winds me up. But then again, and conversely, if you think about it this way, if you were to turn around to someone before they were to eat a bacon sandwich and go, that little piggy was just six months old. This is a picture of its mummy. This is the field it used to live in. These are all its brothers and sisters. The highlight of its life uh, was when the farmer put little pieces of apple into the field and it used to go truffling around. And here is some sounds of the little piggy truffling. <laughs> all of a sudden, the world would become vegetarian. Because because you've you've given a life and a voice to, to 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 someone else. You give to this person. It's not just a sack of meat anymore. All of a sudden, it's a person. Uh, and for me, for me, that's the heart of Murder Mile. That's what it's all about. So um, I'm going to play this clip from Blackout Ripper. The next morning. On Tuesday the 10th of February 1942 at 8.20am, with her room all dark and silent, Ivy had slept so soundly over the last eight hours that she barely heard the loud banging on her door. 
alerted to the noise by her startled cat, Ivy groggily unlocked the door to see the familiar face of Charles Victor Fleming, of the Central London Electricity Company, who, along with his assistant, George Kenny Carter, were here to read each flat's electricity meters and collect this month's shillings from the coin slot. It was just an ordinary day for three ordinary people going about their ordinary lives. As with Ivy, who was still sporting her bathrobe and slippers, George knocked loudly on Evelyn's door. But with it barely being an hour after dusk, he got no reply. Knocking louder, George noticed the door was ajar. But as a timid young man, who was too polite to simply barge into a strange lady's boudoir uninvited, and risk seeing things that a young man should never see, like frilly things and ladies' monthly unmentionables, George continued to knock. Sensing the shy youth's frustration and sporting some awful bed hair, Ivy tapped loudly as she opened the door. With the windows blacked out, the lights off, the fire out, and the last shilling in the electricity meter having been spent, as much as Ivy flicked the light switches, the flat remained in pitch black. But as they entered the room, it was clear that they weren't alone. Someone was there, lying on the bed, all silent and still. And as George Kenny Carter flicked on his torch to see who it was, as the dull light illuminated the shape on the bed, he stopped, blinked and gasped having seen a sight which no one should ever see. So that was the, the, the discovery of Evelyn Oatley. That was just before they discovered her body. Um, so yeah, I, I, I quite enjoyed those episodes. They were really good, good fun to write. And it was nice to give a kind of a voice to them as well. Uh, so... I thought I'd put it, I, I obviously I mentioned this before in the Blackout Ripper episodes, uh, that I'd that I'd hinted at the Blackout Ripper prior to you seeing him. Um, and obviously I've mentioned that many times, but I've never really shown you where the Blackout Ripper is. So I'm going to slowly go through that now. Uh, these are not all of the clips, but there's enough of them in there. So the first one is slight. It's so slight. It's blink and you would have missed it. But it's... This is more of a slightly subliminal one that I put it into your head that these people are there. So, episode part one, uh, Evelyn Hamilton, the forty-one-year-old uh, pharmacist. Um, it was her birthday. She'd just been made redundant from her job. She'd been paid off. She, which was in Romford, she'd moved from the chemist shop to come to London that night. It was her birthday. She was by herself. She was going to go to. 
was it Grimsby the next day? I think that's where she was starting a new job. She was by herself. She was very lonely. She didn't. She she never seemed to have had a boyfriend. She was never married at all. Um, quite a quiet lady, very insular, quite dowdy. Uh, it was her birthday. It was almost midnight. She was hungry, so she went to Maison Lyonnaise, which was the only uh, the Lions Tea Room around the corner, which was open twenty four hours a day. Uh, you could get good food there, and it was safe for ladies as well. That was kind of the big thing that. Um, uh, the Lions Tea Room were all about, and in there, we're not too sure because we never really found this out. But it's it's highly likely because he Blackout Ripper used to hang out there quite a lot in a lot of the tea rooms because it was safe for ladies. Hence, the Blackout Ripper knew that he could pick up ladies there. Not safe for ladies. Uh, but here is a little hint: the Blackout Ripper there. Witnessed by waitress Betty Whitcover walking into the brasserie. Although she was neither seated nor served by Betty, she felt a sympathetic pang for Evelyn. A lonely woman sitting by herself amongst a sea of raucous friends, kissing couples and boozy servicemen. As she raised a single solitary toast to herself on this, her 41st birthday. And literally, that's it. Just just a reference to servicemen. It was it was discreet. It was subtle. You wouldn't have noticed it at all. But it was kind of the, the thing that I put in there to put it into the back of your head. So it's always in there. There was loads of those peppered throughout, but this is just one of them. So uh, episode two. This was the Evelyn. Uh, oh, sorry, part two. The Evelyn Oatley episode. I quite enjoyed this story. I, I tell Evelyn Oatley's story on my tour, but obviously I don't tell the full story. This was the full story, um, and. <coughs> oh, ooh, that was a cough and a hiccup at the same time. A kick-up. Oh, dear. <gasps> oh, dear, it started. So, part two, uh, Evelyn Oatley. Uh, this was... There's a couple of references to this throughout. So, uh, I'm going to play this clip. At 10.15pm, on the corner of Regent Street and Piccadilly Circus... Two Soho prostitutes and close pals of Evelyn, one blonde called Laura Denmark and a brunette called Molly de Santos Alves, waved to their friend as she stood outside Lawley's smoking. With both Laura and Molly having been chatted up by two tall, slim and handsome, if slightly sozzled RAF men from the Royal Air Force Reception Centre in nearby Regent's Park, They took the men back to their flats. Molly headed to Denham Street with the red-headed corporal and Laura headed to Frith Street with the fair-haired aircraftman. There we go. So um, that clip is repeated a couple of times throughout different episodes. So I make, even in part three, there's a reference to... Laura Denmark, the prostitute, who appears back in episode, uh, so in part eight at the end. We, that's where we end. And that's why I start it in episode, episode two. So we make reference to the airman. The airman is always there and he's with Laura Denmark and he's with uh, uh, the ginger-haired corporal who originally was in the original draft of the script. I took him out uh, later on because it kind of muddied the waters bit a bit. What was his name? Felix... Felix Felix Lebron James 
That was him. I don't remember that. Bloody hell. Uh, so, uh, that was him. That appears quite a lot. Then, that's quite subtle. Uh, that one. Episode 3 is less subtle. Uh, but this is the Blackout Ripper. So, episode 3, Blackout Ripper. Go. At approximately 1.10am. Two independent witnesses living at 9-10 Gosfield Street. Florence Bartolini in flat 1 and Ralph George Stevens in flat 2. Both basement flats, situated below the communal door, heard the unmistakable sound of the woman they knew as Mrs Lowe unlock the door and quietly enter, accompanied by a man. And although they didn't see him, his heavy footsteps had the dull thump of men's boots, and his accent was unmistakably English. Although their conversation was unintelligible, their voices were low, their tone was cordial, and she welcomed the man into her flat. But unusually for Margaret, who witnesses state wasn't the best of neighbours, and often kept the whole house awake by playing loud music on the gramophone in the dead of night to deaden the sounds of a sex worker in action. After a brief chat and the clink of glasses, there was silence. So that's the Margaret Florence Lowe episode. That was uh, the last, not really a sighting, but the last time she was heard. And, and obviously this was Wednesday night and her body wasn't discovered until the th Friday. But that was the blackout ripper. That was him coming into her flat because uh, she was a prostitute, having sex with her, killing her, and then he kind of disappeared. The, the door closed and then he ran away after that. And he So he was never seen, but he was heard. Uh, and then uh, there's this clip, uh, which is uh, part four, which is the Doris Junet. At 10.20pm on Thursday the 12th of February 1942, Doris and Beatrice left Maison Lyonnaise walked east along Oxford Street and parted ways outside of Selfridges. And with Doris eager to see her new beau, she headed into Piccadilly, right into the path of the Blackout Ripper. Or she would have done, had fate not taken an unexpected twist. As with his wallet full, his liver pickled and his sexual appetite unsated. Having hopped in a taxi with a 34-year-old red-headed sex worker called Catherine Mulcahy, as Doris walked east along Oxford Street to Piccadilly, the Blackout Ripper headed west to Paddington. And although for now, Doris Junet was safe, an hour later, she would be dead. Now, uh, just before that, there, there was actually uh, a couple of clips before that. So I, uh, I make reference to the fact I even flag up that in episode five, uh, he met up with oh, what's his name? What's her name? Not Catherine Mulcahy. I can't remember. I can't remember Greta Hayward. Greta Hayward. So that the the lady who he uh, strangled and then he was caught. 
Um, uh, he, then he dropped his gas mask. So I make reference to that in episode four, and that is your episode five. So I've already flagged up what episode five is. But there's also reference to um, uh, Evelyn Hamilton in there as well, just before that. So episode four, I was layering a lot of different stories in there. Uh, so episode five uh, was obviously that was all about the Blackout Ripper. You you get to meet the Blackout Ripper, but you don't really know his name. You don't know much about him. Uh, and then episode six was his arrest, and that was kind of interesting. The um, him with the, the all the other prostitutes. Uh, and then episode seven was his arrest and the trial and his execution. Yeah. And episode eight was about his life. So, uh, but there's there's loads of little little details about him peppered throughout. So episode in episodes one, two, three, and four. So uh, if you want to go back, have a, have a listen to those. Uh, do you know because you won't have heard those for a couple of months. It'll all be fresh. Uh, I am still hoping to do a Blackout Ripper uh, return episode. Uh, unfortunately, I was going to do um, two episodes on the victims that the police reckon that he killed one year before. Lots of crows outside at the moment. Uh, one was Mabel Churchyard and the other one was Eleonora Humphreys. Uh, unfortunately their files aren't open for a cu- another couple of years i put in my freedom of information request to try and get them opened uh that was denied uh it, it, because because it's a murder case and it's sensitive and it could upset people it was uh, deemed uh not suitable so uh unfortunately unfortunately uh uh i'm gonna have to think whether i can do those episodes without access to the police files uh although it could be quite interesting because i've as some of you know i have uh recently uh come into contact with the blackout ripper's grandson uh so that's very interesting we're hoping to meet up soon and we'll have a bit of a chat um maybe if he's okay with that we might sit down and just have a conversation about about what he's learned about his granddad um and because it was a bit of a family scandal and it's been kept quiet for so long so um we'll see obviously we don't want to upset his family or any other families so uh but we'll we'll work around that so oh dear lord that was uh how long have i been going i've been going over an hour Look at that, talking an hour straight. An hour, 20 minutes, blimey. Okay, this is a big old extra mile, isn't it? And I've still got a chunk to do. Right, okay, uh, uh, a Susan Moyer update. That was really interesting. So I hope you enjoyed Susan Moyer. It was the, the a Brutal Life of the Baker's Wife, uh, episode 44, if I remember correctly. Um, obviously, everyone was, re- everyone was really attached to that episode. It was very sad, very upsetting uh very real i think is 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 the what i was trying to get across uh so a lot of people uh, because obviously we didn't know much about susan moyer at the start or especially where she was buried now uh, i sh- should have slightly been clearer about the way i phrased that but we'll go into that now so with with thanks to uh louise and annie for uh their expert research as well that ever it's very nice everyone's been going out and going oh finding out more details so um uh, Susan Moyer was buried in the St. Martin's in the Field churchyard. Uh, St. Martin's in the Field is the small church just off Trafalgar Square. It actually looks over Trafalgar Square and the National Gallery. Uh, but unfortunately, um, it used to be a massive churchyard. It used to be huge. But over time, obviously, you've got the Strand behind it. And, uh, you know, th- th- there's no space in London anymore. So a lot of churchyards have been... Uh, taken away and a lot of the bed uh, bodies have been reburied 
Uh, now this poses a problem. Obviously, if you go to St Martin's in the Field Church now, you'll you'll see some tombstones there. But it's posh people. It's the same as everything. If you're posh, you're posh and you're rich, and you've got a tombstone, it's like they're not going to touch you. You can you, your your grave will be there for years. Whereas if you're a poor person, and with someone like Susan Moyer, it's given the fact that her husband was in prison and her children were put into effectively uh, into the workhouse. Uh, it's highly unlikely that she would have probably had a pauper's grave, which means she almost certainly wouldn't have had a gravestone. It could have been a mass burial. Uh, so uh, where she was buried uh, was St. Martin's in the Field Church, but obviously uh, she was reburied elsewhere. So where was she reburied? Uh, that's the uh, details that we don't quite know at the moment. That's what we're trying to work on. Um, Around that time, so a couple of years later, uh, 1854, so four years after that, uh, was the birth of the Necropolis Railway. Now, I've done a blog on this. It's on my website. If you type in Necropolis Railway Murder Mile, it will crop up. Um, And this was uh, London's Railway of Death. I think that's what I call it, actually, the London's Railway of Death. Uh, And it goes from Waterloo to Brookwood Cemetery. Um, And that's... uh, good couple of miles south of London they'd round in that era they'd run out of because uh, um, obviously we'd had uh, what did we had we, I know people always talk about the uh, the 1665 1666 plague the great plague but if you look at history especially in the United Kingdom and Europe there's many many um, outbreaks of the of the black death the the 1665 1666 one is literally it's just one of many there's so many of them. So, um, and and obviously uh, the cholera outbreak in 1856 in Soho, which killed one sixth of the population. Um, so obviously we've got a lot of death death going on, and there's not many churchyards uh, left. So they had to they had to try and find new ways of burying people. Obviously, with people being uh, uh, devout Christians, they didn't believe in cremation. They believed that the body had to going back into the soil hole uh, so they had to find churchyards so hence they decided to build one outside London called uh, Brookwood Cemetery and that's where the necropolis came from it's basically a train from Waterloo that went to Brookwood uh, the mourners could go on it they could buy a ticket the person in the in the uh, uh, in the uh, coffin I've run out of tea my brain's going who uh, person in the coffin obviously didn't have to buy a ticket because they were dead but uh, that's where they'd be taken so it, it I think I think she's a Brookwood although it's unlikely that she would have a headstone because because she, she was poor um now Alexander Moyer what happened to him I'm still unsure about that uh, Louise did some fantastic research and, and, and she said that he ended ended up at the uh uh, the Edmonton Workhouse on the Strand. Um, I'm unsure about that. Uh, only because the Alexander Moyer there was born in 1802. And our Alexander Moyer was born in 1804. Which is not to say that it's the wrong Alexander Moyer. The problem with census records that I'm I'm learning as I'm going through. Is that a lot of the data is only as good as the data that is given by the person who gives it. Because obviously a lot of people don't have written documentation. Because a lot of people back then couldn't read. So you're only as good as the data you've got. And how many people kind of forget what year they were born? Or if you were to, if it would be that era, it'd probably be that they probably wouldn't go to each member of the family and say, when were you born? They'd probably go to the man of the house 
as that was the era and go right when was your wife born how many men can remember how many men can remember when the anniversary is I probably just got someone in shit then. Uh, I've done that recently. I sent I sent a friend an anniversary card and he, he was like, oh, you bastard. He'd forgotten. He'd forgotten his own anniversary. I know. So um, so I'm not too sure whether that's the right uh, Alexander Moyer. There were f- technically five. Two were bakers. Uh, five of them were from Scotland and had moved into London at the time. Um, my data says, so when he was charged with his crime... Um, He was charged uh, with manslaughter and he was to be sent overseas uh, for the rest of his life. That was the charge. Uh, And there's a lot of information in the archives that said that this was taken back to and from the court many times. Um, And I've got it down here that he was sent overseas to Gibraltar. Uh, But then he was resent back after a couple of years to go and work at the uh, Woking prison to build uh, to, to build that and then what did I say Broadmoor before to help build Broadmoor so at the moment we're not too sure um, what happened to the real Alexander Moyer it's it's I think if we all had time we could probably do it but uh, ugh, it's uh, confusing yeah that's that's the problem with data it's like there's only so much in you can you can sit down and look at this data for for so long and go oh this is the person for sure but then you'll find another piece of data and then you'll go ah oh, hang on that's not right so it's only as good as the data that they've given at the time uh hence uh the 2001 national census census will say that my religion is jedi yes i was one of the nobbeds nobbeds who did that uh <laughs> thank you very much um, so I'm going to start wrapping up. Oh dear, that was, oh, I've just seen something I've got to do very shortly. That's embarrassing. Um, so, uh, my thank yous for the week, uh, a big thank you to everyone who has given suggested names for my three minute murder dictionary podcast. Thank you to everyone who's come forward with that. That's, that's been fantastic. There's been some great names. There really has. So, uh, that won't be coming out in October cause I'm going to focus on the eShop, but that, uh, podcast, I think I might try and kick it off during my time off in January, February. I'm going to try and see, I'm going to do it slowly in my spare time. See if I can make it interesting and if it if I think it's good enough, then I, then I'll do it as a podcast. Uh, if not, balls to it. Hey! So uh, as always, uh, thank you to everyone this week, uh, my Patreon supporters. So I have new Patreon supporters. Thank you, uh, all Patreon supporters. You've all been fabulous, and also people who very kindly have sent me um, donations. People have like uh, sent donations in the post, and really. I, just just really really helpful really helping to to uh, keep me going to, to do the podcast because i don't i don't really make a lot off this and it and it is a full-time job um, but you know what they, they they do say that you should do the job that you want to do not the one you feel you should do just because uh just because it makes you money i think that's a big mistake that a lot of people make is just being stuck in the jobs that they hate so uh, we've got some new Patreon supporters this week, so I th- I'm going to send uh, a little thank you to you all, and I apologise for the pronunciation of your names. But new Patreon supporters are Melanie oh, Regnold, R E G U E N A U D. So that's Nord at the end. Reginald. That can't be Reginald. Reginald. Melanie Reginald. 
Can I say Reginald? I'm going to yeah, get away with that. Melanie Reginald. Reginald. That sounds nicer. Maybe that's it. I don't know. I should have checked. Oh, God. Next name I can pronounce. Anna Morris. Oh, thank God. I can pronounce her. Unless unless your name is uh, Una Mori. Una Mori. Maybe that's it. Could be. Uh, Phoebe Weber. I can pronounce her. I can pronounce Phoebe Weber. That's, that's nice and simple for me to pronounce. And finally, Sandra. Oh, there's a lot. There's a lot of words there. I know I have a complicated surname. B u i v v d a i t e. Maybe that's not a v. Maybe that's a w. Sandra Buidit. Andrew maybe if I just mumble it, it might work. Uh, and uh, okay, I'm going to go through all these names and I'm going to mumble it. Okay. Uh, and a big thank you this week to all my Patreon supporters who are and thank you very much to all of you. Uh, and thank you to every thank you to everyone really uh that's really it's it's helping to pay for the costs of of keeping the website alive that's very expensive and the hosting costs and the equipment and my laptop is going to die soon uh it's starting to die already but the good thing is i'm i'm deliberately i'm i'm putting all that uh, uh patreon money in there i'm keeping it so by christmas uh by hopefully my laptop will survive by then and hopefully i'll 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 have enough money to go towards a new laptop which will be great so even if murder even if the laptop dies murder can keep going on thank god uh, i've also invested in uh um uh, uh google google cloud as well so i can put all my data up there so if 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 everything goes uh uh breasts northward uh i won't lose all of my old episodes uh just in case i want to redo them remaster them uh so competition time ha 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 um, to celebrate the murder, Mile, the opening of the Murder Mile eShop, this is all very exciting. Uh, I'm going to put a link on the show notes into here for the Murder Mile eShop. But if you go into MurderMileTours.com, you'll see something that says Shop, or or it depends where I've put it, or <laughs> I might I've put it somewhere else, or under Podcast. There'll probably be links under Podcast as well. But there's my eShop, which is all very exciting. So I've got some goodies on there. Uh, there is more coming, but uh, at the moment it is uh, the Murder Mile mugs with goodies in there. Um, Murder Mile eBooks. So all of the scripts for the episodes so far. So so from episodes uh, one to forty. Obviously, when I get to episode fifty, I'll do another ebook. So every ten episodes, there'll be new ebooks, and they all have their own unique introductions, and they're all unedited as well. Oh, not even spell checked. Uh, so they're interesting. Uh, you can have some of those. There's, there's some other quirky goodies, but there's more stuff to come. You can book. You can buy t-shirts through there. Uh, but this is a competition to win an exclusive Murder Mile mug, and inside that Murder Mile mug. I, mug. I said mug. I went very northern then. Uh, inside the murder mile mug um, is uh, a mug, obviously. Not inside the mug, because that would be weird. Um, some some twat going past playing his music really loud on his bike. He must be very lonely. Um, inside the mug are some uh, biscuits and some sweets and some uh, murder mile goodies, such as 
badges and fridge magnet and stickers. Uh, they're going to be av- available to buy on the website. It, it's about £12 each. Uh, I know that seems a lot for a mug and some sweets and things, but uh, in total it cost me about 8 50 to make each one uh, to do all the packaging and stuff like that. And I've got them online for 12 So that's a tiny margin, tiny profit margin, uh, but it all goes into keeping the podcast alive. Um, Unfortunately, that doesn't cost, it includes packaging, it doesn't include postage, unfortunately. So I've put little things in there. I think it's about £3.90 if you're in the United Kingdom. It's about £10 if you're overseas. I know, it's a lot. Uh, So uh, have a look at that. Uh, but they're unique. There's not many of them out there, to be honest. So uh, have a look at that. That's going to be exciting. Uh, I'm going to keep adding to the Murdermile uh, uh, eShop very soon. But if you want to uh, win one of these, that's what I was meant to be saying. I got I got off a tangent. Go to the Murdermile Facebook group. It's the Murdermile True Crime Podcast uh, Facebook group. It's the discussion group. Um, to go on there, join that. I'm going to put in a little... Uh, it's just an image of it, and it, all you've got to do is go into the comments and just write, I want a mug. Or literally, you could write anything. You could write Bibble, you could write, I need to go for a poo. Literally, underneath that, anyone who puts in absolutely any comment is in uh, with a chance of winning one, which is very exciting. Uh, all entries will be put into a hat, and I will draw, draw it out, uh, and I'll I'll do the winner on... Uh, on extra mile i look i'm getting that cold i'm getting that blocked up nose that i get at the end at the end of each recording i've no idea why this happens this is really weird um so oh dear that was that was a long episode right so i've got some cake crumbs to eat i might have another cup of tea i'm gonna go to the asda's i'm gonna buy myself some food i'm gonna um see the little little geese i'm gonna say hello to them because they're quite cute uh gonna get asked might get some ice cream gonna get ready because i'm back in the archives tomorrow i'm very excited by this i've got some fan oh i'm gonna i'm gonna post you some pictures of the files that i am unearthing and oh god normally i can get one file i have there's about 20 files i've taken out already and this is not this is not all of the files there are so many files i, I can look through but I, I really want to do something special with this multi-part series. So that's going to be exciting. And I'm going to start pre-planning season three as well. Don't worry, this is not going to be one of those podcasts where people go, uh, do you know, oh, we're doing this and uh, become my patron supporter and all that. And then like a month later, they for, for whatever reasons, you know, we all, have, we all have busy lives. They have to quit the podcast. The podcast is my life. This is what I do. Um and uh, murder mile is my life really at the moment so um so um thank you to everyone i hope you enjoyed extra mile um that was extra mile part one we'll do one each week and then i'm going to take either a week or two weeks off and then we'll come back with the freddie mills episode and the new multi-parter very exciting but before we go i thought we'd end with a song i know uh as you know i sometimes try and end with a song but i'm not much of a singer at all i can't sing i used to be in a choir years ago but i got booted out because i couldn't i couldn't keep in key uh also i can't read music as well which i probably is 
useful uh, if you're going to be in a, uh, a choir. I couldn't become the arse for that. Uh, so I'm going to sing you a song. It's going to be off key. I've got a bit of a, a bit of a blocked up nose now because I've been talking for so long and I need a cup of tea. But here is my song. It it sums up my childhood of the TV programs I used to watch. Obviously, we used to get a lot of uh, American programs. Uh, on British telly, obviously like 10, 15 years behind everyone else. But this is going to be the song. And that is a theme from the Golden Girls. I know. If you know the theme, uh, join in with me. Ready? One, two, three. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down the road and back again. Your heart is true, you're a pal and a confidant. And if you threw a party, invited everyone you knew. (laughs) Well, you would see the biggest gift would be for me. And the card attached would say, thank you for being a friend. If you haven't been sick, (laughs) you probably will be now. That was Extra Mile. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Love to you all. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.